within 30 minutes, I dilated from a seven to a 10. It happened so fast. Another contraction happened and I was like basically screaming in pain. And my midwife was like, I'm just going to check you one more time and see where you're at. And this guy is going to come back and give you the epidural. He'll be here soon. He'll be here in 10 minutes or whatever the heck it was. And she checks me and she just goes, Devin, you're dilated to a 10. This baby's head is right here. It's coming out right now. And just like the pure panic in my eyes and my face, I just looked at her and was like, what the f***? <laughs> like I was pissed. Like I, I just went straight like anger mode because I was like, I am not going to be this person that this happens to, that I do not get this epidural because I have said this whole time, I'm not going to miss this window. And I don't know where this guy was, but he was not in my room giving me the epidural. What gets us through this crazy hockey journey is our amazing community of women. Inspired by our online network, Breaking the Ice is a platform created to connect us even more as we share our stories, our passions, our tips, tricks, do's and don'ts for all things hockey, and so much more. For hockey expats, buy hockey expats. So lace them up and tune in for a new episode every Wednesday. What's up, you guys? Happy 2021. It has been a minute since there's been an episode, and I am super excited to be here. Before I had my baby, I was doing a lot of batch recording of the episodes, and I kind of felt like it wasn't for me. I know a lot of people do this, a lot of podcasters do this, but I kind of felt like I was in a rut where I didn't really have a lot of new information to add because I was trying to record as many episodes as possible. And it was really a much needed break just mentally. And I'm just coming in with so much more energy towards the podcast. Super, super excited to record and kind of dive back in. So I thought, what's no better way than to start the 2021 year with my birth story. I was thinking to myself, I'm like, that's kind of a narcissistic thing to say because I don't know how many people are actually interested in hearing my birth story, but you know what? This is my platform and I feel called to share it. So I know a lot of you guys are pregnant. I've seen so many pregnancy announcements, so many new baby announcements, and I just have connected with so many of you I know a lot of us are kind of isolated away from family right now, and it's been really challenging. So I'm just going to kind of backtrack, and I really don't even have anything planned for this episode. I have nothing written down, and I really just want to kind of take myself back and walk you through what happened and kind of where I'm at now and what's going on postpartum. So here we go. Buckle up. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so I kind of talked about my pregnancy back with the episode with Katie. Go back and listen to that episode if you missed it. It was a good one. My amazing friends here threw me a surprise baby shower, which was so much fun. And leading pretty much right after that, majority of our team tested positive for COVID including my husband. So I was 
six weeks out for my due date and I don't know. I think COVID's kind of something you're really worried about getting, but hopeful that you're not going to get it. So right after, I think it was the day after my baby shower, the whole team got tested. And the first time around, a lot of people came back negative, but then they tested everyone again the next day and almost everyone, including a lot of the wives, tested positive. So I started getting really anxious because as we know, like we don't really know how this is going to affect all of us. And I've been around so many people now that have tested positive for COVID at 34 weeks pregnant. So when my husband tested positive for COVID, I, you know, I didn't want to freak out. I didn't want to get like super, I don't know, just in my head about it because I I figured it would be okay for him. I wanted to try to stay positive and really he didn't have too many symptoms. Um, So the first time he tested negative... And that night he got a really, really bad migraine. And I just had this feeling that he was going to test positive the next day. And he did. Um, After that, he really didn't have a lot of symptoms. But I did make him sleep on the couch for like 10 days until he tested negative again just to be safe. And he was like begging me to come back in the bed. But I felt so bad. But I just, I was like, it's not worth it. If I get sick, I'm already, you know, slowing down, being this pregnant. I do not want to get COVID right now. I do not want to get like a bad cold or what I thought how that would affect me. But again, this is just my perspective and and we don't really know how it's going to affect anyone. Um, luckily, for the most part, people on the team didn't have too crazy of symptoms. I know there were some people that had really, really bad cold symptoms, um, but overall, everybody recovered pretty well. So during this time, they also tested the wives twice, and both times I tested negative. So I actually never got it, and I don't know if that's just because when you're pregnant, sometimes you have immunity to certain things, um, you know, so I was fortunate to to not get it that, that pregnant, that far of my pregnancy. So yeah, from this time, you know, I started getting kind of anxious. I know for me leading up to my due date, I was obviously really excited to meet him, but I was also really nervous because I knew my life was going to change drastically. You know, I also was really, really anxious about the birth. And I know that like our bodies are made to do this and, you know, your body really kicks in and and does what it needs to do. But obviously that's something I've never experienced before. So I was really anticipating that feeling of what is it going to be like when I go into labor? Am I going to know if I'm in labor? You know, and I'm like constantly reading stuff on forums, on the internet, just kind of like keeping myself up at night, trying to control the uncontrollable. I know a lot of us do that. We try to like over research and you really cannot prepare for what is childbirth. (laughs) So fast forward, two weeks before my due date, I lost, cover your ears if you don't want to hear this, my mucus plug. And I know that really isn't an indication if you're going to have your baby the next day or two weeks from now, but I figured it was getting closer and closer. So that was kind of like the first sign that my body was really preparing for labor. You know, two weeks came by and I feel like at this point you're really just like analyzing everything. You're like, could this be a sign of labor? Could this be a sign of labor? Within 72 hours of actually going into labor, I just had a feeling I was going to go into labor. And a lot of people say that, but I truly 
I truly was like, I'm going into labor in the next couple of days. I just know it. And this is before my due date even was here. I just knew. I felt a lot more exhausted. I was just super run down. I was super slow. I could really hardly get like in and out of bed, in and out of my chair. And yeah, I just had that feeling in the back of my head. So I gave birth on Wednesday, November 25th. And that Thursday prior in my sleep, I felt like I peed a little bit. And I was like, that was really weird. It woke me up. That's never happened to me. But I had an appointment the next day. So at my appointment, they tested me for the fluid and it came back negative. So basically, like, my water didn't break. I was fine. Maybe I just peed myself in my sleep. Whatever. Didn't think anything else of it. Sunday rolled around and I started having this kind of watery consistency. It seemed like amniotic fluid. It was clear and it was a lot. It was every time I wiped. And so I texted my midwife and was like, hey, this is what's going on. It seems different than my mucus plug. Could could I be leaking? Could my water be leaking? And she said, no, I don't think it is. Sometimes, you know, your mucus plug comes out in chunks or, sorry, that's like so TMI. And my husband's probably going to listen to this and be like, completely in shock that I'm like saying this on a podcast, but I don't really care because I feel like these are the answers I was looking for when I was looking for answers. So I just want to be open about it. But she basically told me not to worry to keep an eye on it. Another day goes by. Every time I wipe, I'm having this like clear, watery. It was the same thing. And so finally on Wednesday, I just, I I had this gut feeling that my water was leaking But I also thought maybe I'm just in my head. Maybe I'm overthinking this. Maybe I'm looking for for any sign to say that I'm going into into labor soon. And not to mention, people would tell you towards the end of your pregnancy, you just want that baby out. But honestly, I felt pretty good throughout my pregnancy. But you do get to a point where you're like, okay, please come out now because I'm really uncomfortable. (laughs) I can't move anymore. So I text my midwife again and I said, you know, I'd really like to come into the hospital and get tested for this amniotic fluid because I'm pretty sure my water's leaking. I just want peace of mind so I can relax because I'm up till two in the morning reading stuff on these apps. And I just need to know that that's not what it is because if your water is leaking, it can be really dangerous for the baby. You can get an infection. Um, Yeah, so I went in. They tested me. And it was positive. So I'm so happy that I listened to my gut, even though people usually say that it's not what that is, but it was. And my husband, it was just so unexpected. Like we did not think we were going to stay there. So he dropped me off. And as I'm in my appointment, mind you, this is the day before Thanksgiving and we ordered a turkey from a butcher. So he's like, can I go get the turkey while you're in your appointment? Like, yeah, so he's, like, driving back with this turkey in the front seat, and I'm at the hospital, like, waiting for my results, and they come back positive, and I text him. I'm like, hey, they're admitting me. (laughs) We're having this baby today, and he's like, uh, what? (laughs) Um, So he, they wouldn't let me leave because then at that point, the doctor was like, okay, well, how long has this been going on? And I'm like, well, the first instance was when you test me for it, but it was negative. So they were thinking like, okay, well, we don't really want to risk it. We need to get you antibiotics because if it has been going on that long, like we need to make sure there's not an infection. 
So I couldn't go home and get my stuff. And honestly, I like kind of started crying because I was like, I didn't even get to say goodbye to my dogs. I know that sounds so stupid, but I just felt like I didn't, I wasn't put together. Like it just, there's nothing you can plan for, right? Because everybody's so different and every birth and body is so different. I, I did have my stuff together and I did have a day of list. Um, so I told my husband, I was like, FaceTime me when you get home. I need to make sure that you're grabbing the right stuff because if you forget what I'm like need, I'm going to get really anxious. So he gets home, gets everything situated with the dogs, um, FaceTimed me, grabbed all my stuff, took a little bit too longer. Honey, if you're listening, you took too long getting back to the hospital. Anyways, (laughs) sidebar, got back at like four o'clock right after they induced me. So they started inducing me. So when I showed up at the hospital that day, I was two centimeters dilated already. And they wound up inducing me before Charlie got back and everything was fine. Um, I maybe felt like a little bit of cramping. I'm not really sure, but Charlie called me. He's like, Hey, I'm just looking for, for parking right now. And I just hear this pop and my water fully broke. I was like, Charlie, my water just broke. You need to hurry up. You need to get inside the hospital right now. Cause I just have this feeling that things are going to start like happening really fast. So I was at a three And I told them, you know, an epidural is something that I really want to get because that's just what I'm comfortable with. That's what I've planned for. And I want to make sure I don't miss that window because you hear horror stories of people missing that window or dilating too fast and they're not able to get an epidural. So they're like, yeah, we'll have the, you know, the guy come in and and give you that right now. And then we can kind of increase it as the evening goes on. Like, okay, great. So he comes in, of course, speaks zero English. He's trying to talk to me in German. I'm just like, dude, just do what you got to do. Like stick that thing in my back, load me up. At this point I was feeling fine. I didn't really have any pain or anything like that. So he gives me the epidural. They're like, how are you feeling? Are you feeling anything? I'm like, No, but I wasn't feeling anything before, so I think I'm fine. You know, like, I think the epidural is working. No, it wasn't working. Within an hour and a half, I dilated to a seven. And then I started being like, okay, guys, like, I think I need more of this epidural. I'm really uncomfortable. And they were trying to ask me, like, what my pain was like. Like, from a one to a ten, can you describe your pain? I'm like, well, I'm not in excruciating pain, but... From people that I've talked to, they say that epidurals, like, you can take a nap, you can watch a movie, like, you're comfortable, you're chilling once you have that epidural. And I was not chilling. I felt uncomfortable. I was like, okay, like, you know, I'm starting to get uncomfortable. I would like some more of the drugs, please. And meanwhile, this guy's freaking farting around in some other room. Just kidding. I really don't know what he was doing. But to me, I really don't like this guy. So, (laughs) and you can hear why in a second. So they told me he was going to come back in at, in 20 minutes. I'm like, okay, great. But at this point, I'm like kind of breathing. I'm like, okay, you know, this is getting a little bit more intense. And at this point, I'm like, is this guy coming back? This guy needs to come back soon. I'm starting to get anxiety. I need to get more of this medication. Within 30 minutes, I dilated from a 7 to a 10. 
all of a sudden another contraction, like it, it happened so fast. Another contraction happened and I was like basically screaming in pain. And my midwife was like, I'm just going to check you one more time and see where you're at. And this guy is going to come back and give you the epidural. He'll be here soon. He'll be here in 10 minutes or whatever the heck it was. And she checks me and she just goes, Devin, you're dilated to a 10. This baby's head is right here. It's coming out right now. And just like the pure panic in my eyes and my face, I just looked at her and was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like I was pissed. Like I, I just went straight like anger mode because I was like, I am not going to be this person that this happens to, that I do not get this epidural because I have said this whole time, I'm not going to miss this window. And I don't know where this guy was, but he was not in my room giving me the epidural. And so I'm like looking at her going, um, can he come in and give me the epidural? She's like, no, like he can't give you the epidural. You're 10 centimeters dilated. Like it's too late. And then I started panicking. I was just like, she's like, this is not the time to panic. Like Devin, look at me. Like she was seriously my rock through my birth. I mean, she was amazing. I could not have gotten through that without her. Just like the emotional support. I mean, I had so many moments of just like fear. So I would love to know what it's like giving birth with an epidural because I did not have one. And that's not what I plan for. And you always hear, don't plan, you know, your birth or whatever because it's not going to go the way you plan. And that's damn right. It did not go the way I planned. I mean, yeah, it was empowering. It's amazing to know that my body can actually do what I was the most terrified of it doing. Would I go back and do that again without an epidural? Absolutely fucking not. But I did it. And I think that's pretty cool. You know, looking back for several weeks after my birth, I honestly got anxiety just thinking about my labor because it was crazy. The whole thing from start to finish was five hours for my first baby. And I pushed for two hours, pushed for two hours with no epidural. And what happened is finally, towards the end, I was in so much pain and I was like sobbing and I was like, cut me open. I don't even care. Give me the damn C-section. I can't do this anymore. I was starting to feel defeated. Because they're telling me, he's right here. He's coming. He's coming. I mean, I dropped so many F-bombs. I was like, no, he's effing not coming. You've been saying this for two hours. He's not effing coming. So, like, someone needs to help me. And so the doctor, how it works here is the midwives deliver your baby, but the doctor will come down in case you need them for something. That's not, you know... It, like they need, if you need them for something like a C-section or a vacuum or something. So um, Crosby did wind up getting vacuumed out because I just could not do it anymore. I could not, I just was totally out of control. <laughs> um, I did labor most of the time on my side. That was where I was the most comfortable actually. And then rolling onto my back was crazy. Like they had to pull me up on the chair because I was so far down, which was really painful. Some funny things that happened. Basically, a contraction, when it starts, it's like you start getting pretty bad cramps. It's like really bad period cramps. And then it's like 
a, it looks like a peak. Like you're going up this huge hill and then you ride the top of the hill and then it drops back down. And then you have like a minute of like silence and then you start getting the cramping and it goes up the hill again. And it's like, so when you're at the top of the hill, you push about two to three times at the top and then you go back down and then you have a minute of silence. So on those minutes of silence, I could just tell my husband felt so helpless. He was like, what do you want? Do you want a granola bar? Do you want Pringles? Do you want water? Do you want that? I'm like, I don't want to eat anything right now. I'm 10 centimeters unmedicated pushing this baby out my vag. I do not want Pringles at this moment. And I could just tell he was just so flustered and like he felt really bad seeing me in so much pain. But then he pulled out the portable fan out of my suitcase that all of you amazing ladies told me to pack and I could have married him again right there. In Europe, the hospital rooms are 10 million degrees. Like the devil sat his freaking butt crack on the hospital room. Like it was so hot. They had their radiators on. I'm freaking sweating balls. And he pulls a span out. And it was honestly the best purchase I've ever made on Amazon. So he just sat there and held that portable fan in my face. I mean, I could have used a mister if I could have added something to that fan. Just fun fact for those that have not ordered the fan already. Get a mister as well. It was heaven on freaking earth. Seriously. So that about wraps up my birth story. Um, I wound up getting like 20 stitches because I tore really bad. Um, I got a lot of questions from you guys. So I'm going to kind of go through those questions and answer them the best that I can. Um... And then I'll talk a little bit about postpartum and what that's been like for me over in Austria. So first question, was your husband allowed in the room for birth? Did he need a negative COVID test? So yes, obviously he was allowed in the room for birth. Um, Did he need a negative COVID test? No, he didn't. But the other private hospital was making um, spouses and the women delivering take a COVID test. Um, and with that, you know, I, giving birth over here with the public health insurance, you can give birth for free at the public hospital, but at the public hospital here in Austria, you do not get your own room. You cannot pay more for your own room. And if you listen to the episode with Cassie, she had to share a room with several women. And that was something that was making me kind of anxious because I just know, For me, with things like this, I like to have my own space. I like things to be really private. And the thought of being in a room with like three to four other women and all of their newborn babies, like, I'm sorry, but who wants to hear newborn babies screaming and crying and like the moms are angry? It's like, it's just crazy to me that like, oh, here, you have to go share a room with all these people right after you went through this traumatic experience. That was just like, not something that I wanted to do. Um, Also, a couple of the things at the public hospital, because of COVID, they were not letting the men in till an hour before delivery. So once you're actually like 10 centimeters dilated or something, or maybe like, maybe it was seven. So like active, I guess active is like six. 
your husband can go in. But you basically have to labor that entire time by yourself and then your husband can go in, which for me, it's like, you don't know. Sometimes people are in excruciating pain at one centimeter dilated. And what if that was me and I had to do that by myself in a foreign country with people that didn't speak English? Another tick for me, which is what I did not want to do. And the third is that my husband couldn't spend the night. So I wound up delivering Crosby, I think at 816. And basically after that, it would have been bye-bye, Charlie. Here, mom, here's your new baby. Now you have to stay here for five days alone and figure out how to be a mom in a foreign country. So all of these things combined really added a lot of anxiety to my pregnancy. You know, we ultimately decided to go to the private hospital and give birth there. And so that did cost money. I think it was like 5,000 euros, but it was pretty much worth every penny. Charlie was allowed to spend the night with me in the hospital as long as I wanted him to. It was pretty nice. We had our own room. He was able to come as soon as I got admitted to the hospital. So you really just have to listen to what you're most comfortable with. Did your mom, another question, did your mom end up being able to come with all the restrictions? No, I think certain countries do have exceptions, you know, that your parents can come if you have a baby. Um, but my parents are older, they're 74, so just the risk is not worth it for me. How long did you have to stay in the hospital? So you have to stay for five days. I think you can leave earlier. I'm not sure. I did stay the full five days, but towards the end, I was seriously ready to get out because there was definitely a language barrier. How was the care level of comfort upon arrival? Everything was great with that. Um, You know, we felt pretty comfortable. I would say the hardest part was just the language barrier. I think, you know, it took my milk about three days to come in not the colstrum, like the actual like milk. And so he wasn't getting enough food. So he was like screaming and we could not figure out what was wrong. And like me and Charlie were just like in this hospital room, like, why is he screaming? What does he need? Blah, blah, blah. We're paging the nurses. We can't communicate with them. And like the second night was really bad because I think both of the nurses were from like Romania or something and like literally spoke no English. And I was trying to communicate with them like, I need help. Okay, because after you give birth, I did not sleep for one minute that entire night. Like, next thing I know, it's like 8 a.m. And I'm just like wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, like staring at my baby. And maybe took a nap that day for a couple hours. But, you know, people are coming in and out to check on you, bringing the food in. Um, Yeah, so you don't really get a lot of sleep. And by that night, I mean, the the exhaustion was kicking in. The screaming was like incessant in the back of your head. And I'm crying. I'm like, someone help me. And they wound up taking him and watching him for like three or four hours so Charlie and I could get some sleep. I think something a lot of people say that stresses a lot of new moms out, and I know it did for me, is formula. I am not someone that's like a like diehard breastfeeding person. Like I've never been like, this is the only way I want to do it because you never really know like how it's going to work out. And I didn't want to have these super high expectations. So I wanted to try breastfeeding, but I also was like, you know, if it doesn't work out, it's okay. Like I have no problem giving him formula, but I really want to try. 
So that second night when we couldn't figure out what was wrong and he was hungry because he like my milk hadn't come in and they took him, they wanted to give him formula. I was like really anxious because I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to give him a bottle because you hear these things, you read these things. If you give him a bottle, he's not going to latch anymore. If he does this, if he does this, we gave him bottles basically the entire time at the hospital because we're figuring out my milk supply and like how that works. Like it's all new. He still latches perfectly fine. Honestly, I just decided for my mental health, I wanted to do bottles and breastfeed. So I pump and then my husband will give him a bottle up until this day. And sometimes we'll give him formula too if I'm just like super burnt out. Um, But yeah, like I just didn't want to take that load of being the only source of food and feeling like I can't leave, like I'm stuck in my apartment with my baby or like I can only leave for a couple of hours because sometimes they cluster feed. Sometimes I want to eat every hour. And so having the bottles also is just really helpful for me so that I can get a break. Um, But I think just like keep in mind that if you give your baby a bottle at the hospital, it's not going to affect your breastfeeding. Like it didn't for me. I just think there's way too much information, sometimes information overload out there online that you read and you can really get yourself, you know, kind of stressed out about like what you should and shouldn't do. But just listen to your gut. I mean, if your baby's hungry and it needs more food, give them the formula because after that he freaking slept. We slept. All was good. But it was kind of overwhelming trying to communicate with the people at the hospital. I would say I heard the food is better at the private hospitals versus public. Um, I obviously haven't been to the public hospital, so I can't attest to that. But I can imagine if you're paying that much money that the food better be better. <laughs> what What was the healthcare like in terms of coverage having to pay for hospital care? Yeah, so like I said, if it was at the public hospital, it would not have cost us anything. But just for your own personal you know, sanity, what, what's best for you, we did wind up paying about 5,000 euros for that. Silver lining of giving birth without family. This is a good question. You know, I think that it's been really hard. And also shout out because I see the other part of your uh, question that says you did the same thing in Germany last April. I would say the silver lining is that we're kind of figuring him out together. And, you know, you talk to people, friends, family, and everybody gives advice. And it's, for me, I actually appreciate the advice because really, like, we don't know what we're doing. We're kind of learning what he needs and what we need as we go. But I guess the silver lining is just figuring out our baby together and having that time together because we're really never going to get this back as hard as the newborn stages are, I think like in 10 years, we're going to look back and be like, holy shit, we had a baby in a foreign country with no help. And yeah, did we want to rip our hair out? Yes. Were there crying nights from both of us? Yes. But we do have each other and we just have to remember that, I mean, this will just make us stronger in the end. And hopefully like 
you know, this will make other things have like other things that are upcoming seem like so much easier because we'll have the support that we need around us in the future. But right now it's, it's also important to remember that everything is temporary. Like we're not going to never have support, you know, we'll, we'll be around family in a couple of months and I'm honestly counting down the days. You guys have no idea how bad I want to go home, but yeah, it's, it's been nice to be able to just kind of navigate these things in this time together. European epidural options versus what they offer. Do they do episiotomies there? So yes, I did get an episiotomy. Epidurals, dot, dot, dot. I mean, I guess they have epidurals here, but they're clearly in no rush um, to give it to you. So yeah, and that's, it's pretty funny because when I was pushing out, the majority of the time I was pushing him, I was just like cursing out that anesthesiologist because I was so pissed. I was like, F that guy. I never want to see that guy again. But yeah, they do have epidurals here apparently. Um, I know Cassie said that she got like the gas with hers, but I don't think she dilated as quickly because I asked about that when I was 10 centimeters. I was like, okay, well, if you can't do the epidural, can I get the the gas? And they said, no, it's too late. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. So um, definitely ask about that. Um, could your husband bring you food or did you have to eat at the hospital? The hospital food wasn't bad. We did order delivery a couple of times because some of the meals were kind of eh, but um, it wasn't bad. Any rules around COVID with masks? We didn't have to wear a mask. So we actually only had to wear a mask if we were like walking the halls of the hospital. So um, he had his first pediatrician appointment while we were there. So when I had to take him to his appointment, which was downstairs, I had to put my mask on to like wheel him down there. But when we were in our room, we didn't have to wear a mask. When I gave birth, no mask, neither did Charlie. So that was so nice because, I mean, let's face it, it's really uncomfortable, kind of hard to breathe with that on normally, especially if you're pregnant. Um, So I was worried I would have to do that. But I also was like, there's no effing way I'm pushing a baby out with a mask on. Um, So if they make me do that, I'm going to like say no. (laughs) But yeah, thank thank God they didn't do that. Um, Baby did not have to get tested either. Would you recommend giving birth in Europe over North America? So, a lot of people say they would give prefer that over North America. And honestly, personally, I would not. I pretty much the next day said our second baby will be a summer baby. <laughs> And we'll be in North America because I think for us, the thing that was really drawing us to have a baby in Europe was the fact that it was free 99 and it was not because we decided to go private. So um, when you take that away, everything else that was kind of adding up around it, just I would not do it again personally. But like I said, a lot of people have good experiences and, you know, I did have a great experience with my midwife. I did have a okay experience like with the hospital room the food that kind of thing but with the language barrier of the nurses in the hospital and just with how my birth was and you know what just with this year with COVID with family not being around that was really hard someone said I'd love to know what kind of paperwork you'll need for him going home after the season so every country is different you can literally google having your baby in blank 
Germany, Austria, Switzerland, wherever you are. In Austria, I click the link. It takes me to the U.S. consulate website. And basically, you have to print out all these forms, find the U.S. consulate, embassy, wherever you are. And you have to go apply for the passport. You have to report their birth abroad. Um, so I... We have an appointment in a couple of weeks to do all of that. We have to take a little baby picture of him, which is going to be pretty funny. But yeah, everything you need to know is on Google per your country. And last question, besides the postpartum ones, um, was it hard not having family here during this? Yeah, it's been really hard. Um, There's been a lot of crying days. I really miss my family and it really is sad to me that they cannot meet him till he's like three or four months old. It's also been just really hard being over here alone. The girls here have been amazing. Shout out to Dana and Blair if you guys are listening. Um, Honestly, they have been like rocks for me throughout this experience. Like when I first got home from the hospital, they deep cleaned my entire apartment while we were down at the hospital. Um, they made food for us for a week straight, watched our baby, like seriously, so helpful, so needed when you're away from family. I cannot thank you guys enough. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I don't know what I would do if I did not have them around because it's it, it's been hard. You know, the guys go on the road. I also have two large dogs in an apartment complex. So, like, even them taking the dogs out, it's just been so helpful. But, yeah, having my family around, it's been really hard. It's definitely tested me a few days. I definitely had days where I'm like, I'm going home. I can't do this anymore. I can't be here anymore. You know, and it's hard for the guy, too. It's hard for Charlie because, like, he has to get up and go to practice and, like, be super physical and play games. And then, like, you know, he's gone and then I'm here with the baby. So it's, like, definitely a transition. I think that's really hard for me. Like, I'm obviously getting up with him in the night to feed him. And he's actually really great at night. He just wakes up, eats, um, goes right back to sleep. But... He does have colic, so he screams <laughs> a lot. Colic is a really challenging thing for new moms just because their stomach is really bothering them. And usually they cry for several hours a day. And I think it's diagnosed if they cry more than three hours a day, more than three days a week, for more than three weeks. And People really don't understand unless they have had a baby that has had colic. Like, it's not just like a few toots backed up. Charlie and I try everything and really your baby is just completely inconsolable. They won't stop screaming. We're, you know, walking him in the stroller around the apartment complex. I'm rocking him. I'm nursing him. I'm using a pacifier and he won't stop crying. So that's... That's really tricky. You know, we're trying to navigate that, but they usually say that it subsides around three months. So we're we're on that final stretch here. But I definitely was not prepared for that. And I really didn't know much about it. So to have that happen and to not really have family to pass them off to to really help us every single day, it's 
put on us to figure it out, which of course we're the parents, you know, but when you are sleep deprived and your baby won't stop screaming, it is kind of a heartbreaking feeling. Also just knowing that he's in pain. So we've pretty much tried everything in the book. So it's just something that you kind of have to deal with and hopefully it will be over soon before we fly back to North America, preferably. <laughs> like I said, I'm just trying to like count down the days so I can go home and just like really appreciate every second that I'm going to be around my family. We're actually going to Hawaii with my parents in May. So I'm like super excited because it'll just be a really good bonding experience like for my parents and the baby. I know it's been hard for them not to to meet him as well. So moving on to postpartum items, postpartum essentials. A lot of people asked about that and I made a list. So I'm just going to kind of go down that. Um, so I'm going to say my favorite hospital items. So I obviously had an episiotomy. You don't really know what's going to happen. So those, those vapor right after childbirth. So you basically fill it with water. Um, those were key. I mean, they don't give you that at the hospital in Europe. So I don't know about North America, but that was awesome. Portable fan, like I said before, that's a non-negotiable. Comfy pajamas. I just got like larger size button downs from Target. Um, I wish I had more. I wish I brought more to the hospital because I only brought a couple. I didn't realize how much I would need just with like breastfeeding and stuff. They just get kind of dirty and like burping and all of that stuff. So definitely bring enough comfy pajamas for as long as you're staying. I also used an Earth Mama spray. It's like a, a, sp- a spray that you spray down there after childbirth. It's just like a cooling spray. Chapstick. I would definitely suggest having a day of packing list in case your husband needs to go back and grab you stuff pacifiers, your own pillow and blanket. This was huge. Like those pillows at the hospital are literally like a pencil. Like you need, you need a comfortable pillow. Um, I also used that pillow as I was delivering him. Slippers. I actually got those like sandal slippers from H&M that are really comfortable. A water bottle with a straw. Everybody said this, just do it. Just get the water bottle with the straw. You'll thank me later. Stool softener, because we're all scared of that first poop after birth. Wasn't too terrible, but definitely take your stool softener. Um, Those tux pads, I use this after that first bathroom as well. Um, But yeah, it's again, it's just like a cooling for down in that area. Um, A bathrobe, that was really nice to like walk around the hospital with. Oh, yes. Okay, so my own sleepers. I brought a ton of zippered sleepers the hospital because the hospital does give you clothes that they can wear. But over here in Europe, they were all buttoned down sleepers. So, um, you know, it's kind of a pain in the butt when they're like pooping a ton, peeing a ton. Um, so yeah, just bring, bring what you think is good for however long you're staying. Postpartum essentials, like at home, a sound machine, like 100%. It helps them go to sleep so much. It's just like a white noise machine. Burp cloths and bibs. I think I literally had four. Like I had four burp cloths over here and like four bibs. And I have a baby that spits up a ton. So that was nowhere near enough. So just make sure that you get those. But you'll also learn what your baby is like. And you can always order what you need after they come. 
a bottle warmer. You know, a lot of people say like you don't need this, but I actually like it. I think it's like a lot faster than like standing under the sink with the bottle trying to heat it up with warm water. Like you can go do something or like change your baby while the bottle's heating up and then it's ready to go. A nursing pillow and pads. I stole a bunch of pads from the hospital, but yeah, I think I I stopped using them about four weeks postpartum, but they're so uncomfortable. It just takes me back to like sixth grade or whatever, seventh grade when I wore pads and it's just really not fun. Align joggers from Lululemon have been a really comfortable postpartum item for me. I actually just got them for Christmas and I wish I got them sooner because they're just really cozy and lightweight around your... Oh, and side note, if you're at the hospital, ask for the nurses. Like if there's a sign you can put on the door to not come in the room every two seconds because like even the people with the food, they would... Oh my gosh, I remember this lady came in every morning guten morgen at like 7 a.m with our breakfast and i'm just like lady do you not know that you were on like a floor of women that just had babies could you not say guten morgen at the top of your lungs at 7 a.m like is it possible that some of us may be sleeping after a rough night so we wound up putting a sign on our door so we could sleep and then just like get the stuff when we wanted it Okay, I didn't need a heating pad. I didn't need a speaker. I didn't need a sleep mask. I did not need a going home outfit. Honestly, who cares about that? Wear what's comfortable. Get sweatpants. Get a big shirt. Don't worry about trying to look cute for a picture unless you really, really want one. You don't need makeup. I did not put makeup on one time. I did bring that Mario Basuko spray for my face. It just like felt so good to spray that on. Because I just was so hot in the hospital room. Yeah, so those are kind of like my postpartum items for myself. I feel like I've been talking forever, so I don't want to drag this on too much longer. But to kind of summarize everything, I could not be more in love with my baby. I just stare at him pretty much all day long. (laughs) And actually, he's two months old today when this episode is coming out. They say that you forget what labor is like and what the pain is like. And that's why you wind up having more kids, which I'm sure is so true. I don't know if I'll ever forget the pain, but I am already excited to like grow our family and not anytime soon, but you get the point. I posted something on my personal Instagram recently where I just kind of touched about how Asking a new mom, how are you, is such a loaded question, right? Because there's just so many hormones. There's so many emotions. There's just so much change in your relationship with your husband, with yourself. You're kind of taking on this new identity. And I think what's made me feel the most supported is hearing from other moms. That's so huge. I've had so many amazing, strong women just reach out to me, tell me I'm doing a great job, telling me like I'm the best mom for my baby, just showing support, checking in. That is such a good feeling and such a sense of community that you aren't alone because you hear it time and time again, but 
you really don't hear about postpartum. And I think that's because you can't really prepare for it. You don't really know what it's going to be like. And you can envision, I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be, but you're learning so much and it's exhausting, but it's worth every moment because you just get to look at your baby and be like, I created this and I'm growing my family and this is important to me. And really nothing else matters. Like, the little problems or whatever that you seem to have beforehand, it just, nothing matters. The most important thing is your baby and your family and, and you'll get through this hard time. And I know I will. And it's, you know, I say that even though I'm in a hard time right now, that you'll get through this and whatever, but it's like, I need that personal reminder. You can always reach out to me if you have any questions about what it's like having a baby overseas if there's something that I didn't cover in this episode. But women are freaking superheroes. We are amazing. Our bodies are amazing. I am just really grateful that in the end, after all of this, that I'm healthy, my baby is healthy, and that's really all that matters now. Looking back, this is just like a crazy story that happened. Um, But thank you so much for listening to my birth story. Hopefully it I kept you this long till the end. Hopefully it was entertaining for you. I'm really happy that the podcast is back. There's a lot of new things that are happening behind the scenes right now. And I cannot wait to share them with you. Again, if you want to be on the podcast, please fill out the survey in my bio. It's on my profile on the Breaking the Ice pod profile page. The more detail that you can provide, the better. I may not reach out to you right right away, but I do like to have like an inventory, a list of people that want to be on the podcast so that if I am ready to record with you, I can easily reach out with the provided information. So again, I just can't wait to connect with so many new women. I love just seeing this community grow and talking to you guys all the time. It's just gets me through the days. So thank you again. And I will see you next week for a new episode. Hey, hockey community. If you're still listening, please take two seconds to go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, and review Breaking the Ice podcast. This helps so much with visibility and traction. It helps other hockey girls find this podcast and maybe other expats that need this podcast as well. 